Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Randy, what's going on in your world this week? Um, nothing too big. I think my challenge of the week is dealing with APIs. Um, what's more interesting is more on the human side of the API than it is on the tech. The I'm working with a company on behalf of a client and trying to get information about a semi-documented API that is not responding back consistently with what is expected has proven to be a challenge because the folks supporting it don't seem to have a clear technical leader or per point person to talk to. So I'm having to do lots of different email communications between the client and his contact. And it kind of, what is, what is more than clear to me with um, having a, a product that has to interface with, you know, outside APIs is that there are two facets of support, technical and people that are still necessary. And that dependency is something that you really have to look at for, you know, how your product may depend on an outside company, product team or whatever. So that's just something that came up. I've also been learning a little bit about GraphQL, the new API um, kind of paradigm approach. And but it doesn't like even if I do like that new newer system versus rest, like a restful API, there's still that people part that doesn't change. So that's kind of been my this week. It hasn't been hard. I've been getting making progress, but that's been the challenge of the week so far. How about you? Sure. Sure. So I that that's that's all interesting because that doesn't necessarily um, flow into what I've been doing this week, but it's something that I've been having to look forward to or or and i do mean having to look forward to um (laughs) the the work we do with construction specialties we use a number of different systems and one of the systems we use has an api or i've been told it has an api so i i requested access for it and the response back i got was you're not big enough. Uh, we don't want you to use it because you're not big yep. enough. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. That <laughs> I'm not sure that makes sense. Uh, maybe it makes sense to you, but it doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, and then this one of the other systems, I had to ask a non-technical person to hook me up with their IT department, and I'm still having trouble getting that access. Um, in order to see if they even have an API. Because if they don't have an API, then I can't tie the systems together or the the subject of screen scraping comes up and you have to decide whether yeah. uh, whether you have to look at the robots.txt file and all that to see if you can even do that. Yep. Um, so so anyway, that that it was interesting that you brought up APIs because that's that's something I'm going to be wrestling with very shortly. Well, it, it goes to show just uh, like I keep telling students of technology, people that I've taught or I'm being introduced to their noobs to the whole system. It's still like this is a tech job. What you're trying to do is still technically based, but people are still a huge part of it. And I think what you ran into was policy, 
but it's still people that choose the policies and enforce them. So you still have to be able to communicate with people, work with people, get past people <laughs> to get things done. It's not just about zeros and ones. Right. I, I think, uh, and, and we, we, we do, do a decent job here of talking about things we're going to talk about in future episodes. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we might have to come back to this at some point, the, and just wrap a whole subject around technology working with non-technical companies, because that's, that's easily the case I've got here. And I've got stories that I can, (laughs) I can bring from my past (laughs) as far as that goes. So we'll, we'll get into that another time. So, um, so th- this week, what I wanted to ask you about was going back to the whole idea of anti-fragile and things like that. Um, one of the ways I feel that I've made myself somewhat anti-fragile is I'm always out there learning new stuff, figuring out new things. I, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I make something work and then I at least have the knowledge of, okay, I understand some of what's going on here so I can speak above just a basic level. Um, there, there seems to be a, I'll call it a movement. It's, that's a strong word, but there seems to be a movement towards technical people need to stop doing their technical jobs after five o'clock, they need to, mm-hmm. they need to do nine to five technical. And then the rest of their life needs to be yeah. non-technical away from coding away from. And I, I, I'm going to use my trademarked phrase here. It depends. Yeah. Um, because I find <clears throat> myself very, I find it very hard for me to do that on a consistent basis. Certainly we'll go off and do non-technical things, but I'm always drawn back to technical. Sure. Things. So what do you, um, how do you, um, I'm not going to call it a work-life balance. I'm going to call it a tech non-tech balance. What, what is your personal tech non-tech um, ratio? And, and do you find yourself varying it from time to time? Oh, well, I guess let me back up a little bit to the actual argument. Because I think people, some people take nine to five literally. And they, and I see people, whenever the debate comes up, they get worked up about nine to five. And people are like, I work better past six o'clock or seven o'clock. And I'm like, that's not what we're talking about. I think it's about self awareness of your energy and burnout prevention more than anything else. And maybe knowing when you're at your peak. Because there's people like I can, like my personal wavelength of technical energy and learning can go for three days straight of just like barely eating and drinking (laughs) and just being ultra focused. And then I need definitely a day off. And in the past, I didn't do very well. I mean, when I was younger, I didn't do very well regulating it. And I think now I've started to notice when I'm not like, I'm not nothing sinking in or I'm watching something or reading something. I'm drifting off in a different thought pattern. So I mean, personally, my focus levels, um, for getting, for working and doing things starts around later in the day, like 
uh, later to most people, maybe like 10 a.m. Um, and then go can go usually to seven or eight if it's, you know, strictly work related. If it's project related, <laughs> the, then I have to shut things down much earlier because it's something I'm interested in and in, in trying to do. Um, but that it, it doesn't it doesn't stick to a daily routine. And sure. last night, I remember um, I was working up to about eight o'clock and I just yelled to Megan, I'm done. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't remember <laughs> what it was. I, maybe I had um, just gotten something to work and I'm like, I'm done with this. Like, I don't need to do anything else. Tomorrow can take the rest. And I think that's, I start to feel the signs of, I don't want to be sitting here anymore. And I really just need to get this done or I just need to cut it so that I have energy tomorrow to keep going. So that's, that's how it works for me um, right now. Sure. So what I'm, what I'm also talking about is the concept of improving yourself outside of work hours. So you're, we've got, we've got kind of what you talked about, which is kind of the circadian rhythm that, that you go in as far as work. Yeah every day and and it varies from day to day and i know just in the past week there have been days i've been sitting here at 1 a.m coding i i am one of those people that codes better from about 10 p.m to 1 a.m um so i'm sitting here way after hours coding stuff um but the the argument I think I see a lot of is I don't need to spend my personal time, my free time improving myself. My job is what's going to help me improve myself. And I find that I I find that limiting. Um, A, you've got to have a super understanding job and management structure and all that, that they're even going to give you time to learn stuff that's not related to your specific job. Um, And if you're not out there doing stuff that's not related to your specific job, you're not growing. Um, It's that simple. And I do, I find the concept I'd like to know where this concept is coming from that, that (laughs) people feel they, they don't need to be growing outside. And I've met people like this. And, and if that's the the lifestyle they want to live, I'm not going to judge how they want to live their life, but I, I, it's just so, it's just so different to, to the way I've been doing things. So I, I, what do you say? So I think you got to look at the source of the statement because I feel like when I hear it from certain people, there are certain well-known social media personalities that really do tout this stuff a lot. And I don't philosophically people burning out and taking a break and preventing or taking a break to prevent burnout is not a bad thing. I'm not going to say that they're, that these people have a bad philosophy, but if they are wealthy and have kind of made it in their sector, uh, then yeah, of course. Now you can start to t- like sit back and smell the roses, so to speak. Um, if you're driving to get yourself solid, build retirement, pay for kids college, family, get your company start up, your startup lifted off the ground, making revenues, 
pay, like paying your employees, uh, ma- making payroll at the end of the month, you have a much different perspective than that person that has already gone through the process of doing that and is now talking about, oh, I take, I know I don't work past five o'clock. Well, yeah, but when you built that product, were you really on that nine to five? That's what I want to ask that person. Right. Because if they were, then cool. They're they're speaking from the entire from the day that they started the product or the company to now. But what I want to know is knowing what I know in terms of how hard it is to build products that last, did you really follow that at the beginning? Before you right. like because I, there's one specific person, um, 37 Signals is a company who I do like their philosophies. I think um, the way that they talk to companies about this type of stuff is a big deal. But, but I sure. don't know that they follow that they followed back then when they were starting what they follow now. And so it's just a matter of you have to take it with you have to consider this philosophy from the person touting it based on where they were when like where, where you are in their time span timeline and where they are now, because I think it's really easy when you have all the money you need and the company with the revenues and the employees doing things for you. um, That's a much different thing. And so, and so going back to your specific point of self-improvement, if you've already mastered a craft there may not be a ton more you need to self-improve on. You may be on autopilot because you've done so much and you've, you're the master of it. And so you're doing other things. Maybe you're racing cars. You're learning how to, you know, boats is your thing. I don't know. You've got a hobby now because you can afford to do that. You're not driving for something. So I can say that for me, I, st- I keep doing self-learning because I see so many things I want to learn and I haven't made it in the sense of, you know, I don't have to worry about retirement. I don't have to worry about health care. I don't like salary is taken care of. Like none of those things are like I'm, I'm managing them now, but they're not something that if I just sat back on a beach for the next year, I'd be like, oops, <laughs> I should have been making some money. So right. I think that's the, it's the sort the who that person is saying that I want to know where they are in their career, their timeline, and how how far they've reached. Um, it, it all comes down to a balance as well. Because I, I do not, I also don't subscribe to what's essentially the opposite of this argument, um, which is there is a segment of, uh, I'll even say it's a segment of Silicon Valley. Yeah. That is, if you're an entrepreneur, you live breathe, eat, drink your, your product 24 by seven, you don't stop until you've made it. Um, and that, that, that goes to the other extreme, which, which I, I don't think is healthy. And I, I certainly don't think it's sustainable, um, and makes, makes for poor decisions as well. So I, I think there's a balance and it is, it is personal. There, there are, there are people who, there are people who, who want to do those things. Just like there are people who want to be entrepreneurs and have the, um, the makeup to, to, to be an entrepreneur. And that's not saying that those that don't are lesser people. They just have different personality traits that allow them to be 
different type of business yeah. people allow them to be, be be stronger in other places? Well, it's always like so the Silicon Valley perspective comes from venture capitalists. And you're gonna like if you right. if you hand over a couple million or more or less, I mean any amount of money you send someone, the philosophy in Silicon Valley is driven by, hey, we gave you a pile of cash. Now make us more money off of it. And it's no different. But the thing is, instead of it being a philosophy from like, hey, you have an employer who drives you hard. It's this entire community that represents Silicon Valley's money system saying, hey, entrepreneurs, if you take money from us, we want you 100 percent focused on everything we don't care about family life, real estate pricing, anything. It's just we want you 100% focused on what we hired you to do. No one considers it being hired, but you've been hired to make someone 10 times their investment. So that right. comes from the over the source of the money. And, and so that philosophy, it, it's termed a philosophy, but it's really just the age old adage of you work for me, do what, like, I don't want you focused on anything else. Like that's, that's how right. I see the Valley's opinion of it, which if you sign up for it, great. You know, like just know that's what you're getting into when you take that cash. Yeah. And, and I, this, this just buttresses your point um, about where people came from. Cause usually those venture entrepreneurs yeah did that previously um the, those venture capitalists are prior entrepreneurs who did leave, live and breathe whatever product they grew to make their money to be venture capitalists so they expect that same from from whomever yeah. they're giving money to so they um yeah so it, i think we've come down to a it's it's there's a balance there and each person has to find where their balance is. Um, and I, I just come back to the point that it, the, what bothers me the most about that, that philosophy going back to the original question, the philosophy around, I don't need to do more than my job yeah. is it, it's so constraining and, and <laughs> yes, And and this is something I actually personally feel because I have I have been the manager of of really intelligent people, and and they know one or two things, and it's not like they're they're masters of those one or two things. Which I even think if you're a master of something, you need to go find something else to learn because you need different perspectives. Um, But. They, they know their thing. They're making a decent enough living they're, that they're comfortable with. Um, so they feel, and this was this is people within big monolithic enterprise companies as yeah. well. They feel they're safe. They've got their salary. They can, they can just ride this out for the next 20, 30 years. And that, that's just not the way the world works right now. Um, that, that salary, that job is vulnerable. Yes. Um, and you have to control your own destiny. And if, if, if you don't expand what you know, you're not controlling your destiny. You're, you're letting it come to you. 
Um, you're making yourself fragile. Well, that's um, so you're not being anti. Yeah, like I would say that my learning, what I choose to focus learning time on, which I do all the time and always have, is in a way a hedge um, against the rapidly changing environment of technology. I mean, if I was still doing what I started out doing 20 years ago, I would be doing ASP.NET, ASPX, or whatever. The, I don't even know what they use now on the Microsoft side um, from backend stuff. And or PHP in Drupal was the content management system. Sure. And once I said, you know what, I'm frustrated with these tools. This Rails stuff looks more interesting that's when I started dabbling in Rails. And five years later, I opened up huge doors with better productivity, learning more development, because I was doing the slight hedge on the side of learning new tech. Now, I'm at the same point right now with Rails that I was back then, because I look at these new tools, pretty much like Node and JavaScript only, back-end, front-end frameworks. I look at Elixir and... Phoenix um, for another, like uh, the kind of replacement for possible replacement for Rails, Go, all these different frameworks that are built more on modern tech or or more more modern tech and speed is kind of their bigger focus. And I'm not totally sure, like even when I'm building my, the new HOA done um, prototype, I'm still using Rails. Why? Because I build really fast in it. But I don't, I'm still, to your point, things change so fast and things like the whole industry will break. And now it's like, I have to make sure I've got a backup plan. That's just my personality. I don't, I want to have little things in the background of like, okay, the long term for what I know now is not going to last but I've been paying attention and I can quickly jump on the new trend. You have to be careful because you can definitely jump on a trend that dies really quick. But that's for me, that's my, I'm, I'm only comfortable doing that. I'm not comfortable saying I'm just a rails developer and that's it. Like that, I can't do that. Plus the fact that I have to manage people that know things that I don't. So I have to understand something right. that they know which is kind of where the CTO, the tech manager responsibilities are in place. Sure, you can hire everything out, but if you don't have any knowledge of what that person is doing, they better be good. They better be able to deliver because you are kind of hamstrung if they don't. Well, I'll, I'll even, this, this kind of ties back to last week as well. Um, there was a period of, of my career where I was handed an assignment to manage a, a group of technical professional professionals supporting a company's SAP instance. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing yeah. about SAP. It was foreign to me. All the technology was foreign to me. The, the methodologies were not something I was used to. It's a whole way of thinking that if you're not in that space, you don't have that that knowledge. Yeah. And I did poorly. Uh, it, it that did not go well. I managed the people as best I, I as best I yeah. could. Um, I I identified once I got there. I was like, I'm way out of my depth here, 
as far as technical. Yeah. I cannot even have an intelligent conversation about the technical side of this. So I need to manage the people, see if I can figure out who I can lean on to learn things from um, and, and make the best of it. Fortunately, that was a short assignment. I was a transition manager yeah. in that case. So I did my three months and I was out from that moment on. Uh, if, if they even approached me with an SAP assignment, I said, that's probably not best <laughs> for me just because it, it yes, yeah. if you want me to go spend time learning it, I will go do that. It has, it holds no interest for me though. Yeah. So I'm going to be trying to learn something that holds no interest. So you, you did so learn something. I locked You did out. learn something about SAP. You don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll tell you, it, it. I I don't even know enough about the product or anything to even say it. I, it does wonderful things. I'm yeah. sure. So um, <laughs> that's a nice way of. So if they're it. listening and they want to be a future sponsor, we'll it, take. It, it makes people money. Uh, I do know that. That's as much as I. Oh, for sure. <laughs> For sure. So, so really that's, I wanted to bring that up today. Cause that was, that was, it's been gnawing at me yeah. and, and it's been gnawing at me for years because like I said, I know people that I'm like, you could be so much better. I'm not going to pass judgment on your life decisions yeah, because you've decided that it is much more important at every stage of your career to only spend your eight hours of work. And if that's what you want to do, go do that. And, and I'm, I'm happy for you. I just know you can be so much more. Well, um, but so here's, I guess the rub is if this person that has that philosophy tells you, I want to be a CTO, I want to be in a brand new innovative technology system. Like if they, if they I want more money, I want to have more responsibility. If, that are, if those are the goals that that person has in our field, in a technology-based product company, whatever, and then they still have that attitude of, I just, I'm going to do my nine to five, my set amount of time, and I'm not going to invest time on my own elsewhere. I would say, good luck with that philosophy in our field, because our field is drastically changing so much. And... Right. And I'm not going to hire them for a role that I need innovative thinking and learning on the fly. So th that's, you know, that's, I would say that you are limiting, that person is limiting their opportunities based on what my knowledge of the industry is. If their philosophy is, I like to, for, for whatever my outside interests are, let's say family, raising horses, race car driving, what have you. And they're like, I don't really care. Like I'll do what I've been paying, what I'm paid to do. And that's all I really care to do. And I'll deal with later. If, if I suddenly, if my position becomes obsolete or the tech I'm working on is obsolete and they're fine with that, that like they, they can live comfortably and happily like that. That's great. Cause in some cases I right. want to hire people just do this one thing for me consistently all the time. And that's all I need you for. And that's, I, I don't really have a problem with that. I don't relate to it very well. That's the difference right. for me, but it depends. Right. Like so many times I hear from people, 
I want to be in this cutting edge, innovative space. I'm, I'm not really, I don't go home and learn things on my own. And I'm just like, well, that's not how I've seen it work very well. But right. So this, it's about motivations and goals, I think, to some extent for some people. Well, and, and I'll, I'll, for those, for those, uh, for those who are younger than, than you and I, um, just a fair warning (laughs) that as you age, your attention span, your ability to retain information does go down. Your, your learning speed does go down. I I know that's, it's certainly, um, affected me to, to some degree is, I'm probably not as fast a learner today as I was 20 years ago. Um, now I, I can use some of my experiences to learn things faster. Yeah. Um, when I went back to get my MBA, I was an incredibly much better student than when I was getting my bachelor's degree. Um, and and so there is that sweet spot right there in the I think the 30s. That that is probably your prime time for learning, um, maybe late twenties and thirties, which is your prime time because you've got enough life experience to figure out how you learn, and you've still got the the energy. You get up uh, a little bit higher, and uh, some of that starts to deteriorate, and the synapses don't fire as fast. Well, I I so. agree with you. Oh, I definitely from the physical brain power, mental retention side, I I totally get that. The difference for me now is I think either experience, prior knowledge, what have you, I am more efficient with learning because I recognize those boundaries, those constraints, and I I don't pay attention or refocus or try to retain more than I can. And so I'm, I actually have been learning things faster because I'm only focusing on the important parts and understand, realizing I'm going to forget this part anyway. I need to, I just want to have the confidence, like on the GraphQL thing, there's a whole section of what I'm learning about the setup. And I'm like, you know what, by the time I actually start using GraphQL, this setup part is not going to be relevant because they've already talked about the new version coming out in a few months. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'll understand what they're talking about, but I'm going to skip this as a, I need to spend a lot of time. And I've got the video that I'm watching going at like 1.5 or 2 times right. speed. Right. <laughs> and so if you were to say, write out this config file right now as part of having learned this, I'd be like, I don't know. I have to go look it up again. But if I told you how what this technology means on like for us to move forward with it, I've learned a ton in just the last few weeks on this subject. So I think in the past, I would try to read every book, watch every video, retain it, practice it, all that stuff. And I I think I've shortened my learning that I know I need to do to a much smaller timeline because I'm like, their brain won't retain everything, every detail. I need to have a very cursory understanding of this at this point. I should understand this more in depth at this point, but I, at, at some point I can say, all right, next time I need to learn this will be when I'm using it. And right. being able to do that allows me to learn so many more new things rather than think I need to do freaking three months of GraphQL to be an expert in it. So that's where right. age and experience has changed the learning side for me is 
becoming more efficient at it. And I would agree with someone that says, well, I do need to learn, but I don't need to learn as in-depth as people think I need to learn. That I could totally right. catch on to that philosophy in a heartbeat. Well, especially if you're not trying to execute right yeah. now. If you're doing it to learn the technology, learn the the paradigm, uh, you, you're absolutely right. You don't need to learn the setup and and a lot of the a lot of that stuff because by the time you go to execute it down the road, you're going to have to pull somebody new, somebody else's new config file or whatever yeah. to to keep up with the times. So I do want to add one caveat that I think we 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 need to just to to throw it out there, make sure that. We, we see all perspectives. Yeah. Obviously, this doesn't apply to everyone, right? So someone who's got to go out there and, and work two jobs in order to, to put food on the table for their family. Absolutely. I, I, I can, I've been there. I've, I've been there yep. where we, you, you, you have to be constantly earning money yes. in different ways to, to just put food on the table. Yep. Um, those, those in the middle, those in the middle of raising a family. Yep. So, you got you to take your time out for your family and all that. I, there are caveats. Absolutely. Um, I will say that the way I approached it, and this isn't possible for everyone, but the way I approached it is when I went and tried to get that second job or that second and third stream of income, I tried to make it in something that I was learning or growing yeah. in. Um, that's To some degree, that's how you and I um, met. And, and because yeah. I was out there putting something out there and it was something you needed at that moment. Yeah. So, um, so, so there are caveats around that and, and not a one size fits all. Totally. So, I agree with that a hundred percent. So, so cool. So, um, thank you. I, 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 I feel, I feel lighter. I feel I got all that <laughs> off my chest and, and, and the years of that weighing on me are gone now. Well, it was definitely a good subject that comes up frequently and other people I talk to. Um, and I'm pretty sure the work-life balance issue in this industry will not change um, for a while in terms of being a debate. Um, there's just so many challenges. There's so much going on in technology that it's you have focus and time management is going to be a challenge. Um, right. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a great subject. So listen, we can wrap this up. Do you have, like, we're going to try to do a new segment at the end. I mean, this is kind of common amongst a lot of shows. Um, recommendations. Do you have a, a, a recommendation or recommended read for the listener that they can maybe check out? We'll put in the show notes. Sure. So, so as you know, as you personally know, I, I consume a lot of yep. books. Um, I, I, for, for a few years, I was trying for 52 books a year. Um, some, some years I would make it some years I wouldn't, I don't believe in abridged books. I think if you're gonna read something, you got to read the whole yep. of it. Um, and, and so what, what I'm trying to focus on this year is I may not make my 52, but my 52 is usually about 80 to 90% fiction yeah. and the rest nonfiction, which fiction's a lot of faster to yeah. read. You can skim faster and still pick up all the points. Nonfiction is a little slower. So I'm going to try and pick up some nonfiction books. So 
one I one I was recommended to read was a book called Shadow Divers, and it's uh it's by Robert Curson, K U R S O N, and it's about wreck divers, so people who go and dive on wrecks. Mm. Um, and this this particular one was about the the set of wreck divers who happened upon a wreck that they, it took a little while to identify. They finally identified it was a submarine and not only a submarine, but a German submarine Mm. in new England waters where there were no recorded battles of a sunk German sub during world war two. Um, so a lot of the book was about the, the technical part of the diving. Um, they were going to depths that were right at the edge of what humans can mm-hmm. do um, uh, with the equipment they had at the time. This was the 90s. Um, and some of it was, was they, they turned into historians. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they went to Washington and dove into the Naval Archives. They went to Germany, talked to people over there, trying to identify the submarine mm-hmm. because it had no identifying markers. And they couldn't get to all parts of the submarine and find things that could identify yeah. it. So it was, a, it was a fascinating book. So what do you have? Um, I'm, I'm going on the business side of stuff. Uh, I like to use new uh, like da- aggregators to bring me information. Um, there's a lot of people out there that go out and harvest links to different blog posts of the week. And I just subscribe to a ton of those because I can go through the, their work having gone ahead of me and finding articles of like, that are worthy. That's it's faster for me to do that than to like go through a feed reader, um, and just kind of find stuff on my own. So the one that's very relevant to, I think, what we're talking about week to week is software lead weekly. And if you will put the domain in the show notes, it's by, I think a guy that is in Tel Aviv and Oren Ellenbogen, I think is his name. And all he does is he finds a bunch of more management, technical management related links, some humorous, some educational, um, a lot of them are very good. He also wrote a book um, that I can talk about in the future that is you know, helpful for people moving up into the tech management role. But I think Software Lead Weekly is a really good source of technical management-related um, posts out on the internet that people can read. So I recommend it as something to, for people to, to subscribe to and check out in the future. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Good, good choice. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up. Good talking to you. And we will talk next next time. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week.